Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Glad to be here today. Glad that we have some time together talking uh, about uh, topics that are important to you. And if you have a topic you'd like for us to discuss here on Faith and Family, the email address is family at kfuo.org. On social media, when you have a heated debate, uh, does that affect your ability to be a witness? Does that does that damage a relationship? Can that drive a wedge just by by posing a question? We're going to talk about avoiding digital landmines today with Peter Slayton. He's the manager of social media here at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you have a question or a comment along the way, the number's 1-800-730-2727. That's the toll-free number in North America. Here in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. The email address, kfuo at kfuo.org, or family at kfuo.org, family at kfuo.org. My And on Twitter, there's just all kinds of ways to reach us today. Twitter, I'm KFUO Andy on Twitter. And joining me in studio today, Peter Slayton. He's a manager of social media for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Peter, welcome back to Faith and Family. Well, thank you. Glad to be here with you, Andy. I think the last time we talked, you had just returned from the March for Life, uh, the Walk for Life, West Coast. Yeah, the Walk for Life in San Francisco. That was a fantastic event to cover, really uh Impactful, really enjoyed being able to just give those live updates in the moment. Here's what's going on uh, right now in San Francisco with this uh, major event. So you were posting and tweeting and, uh, and sharing all the news, right? Li- right Sometimes there live from the while running, too. It was <laughs> <laughs> we're running. Eric and I were there. He was the, our photographer, and we were just running up and down the, the whole line of the march, trying to get the good shots, tell the story of what's going on, and uh, really out of breath the, the whole time, pretty much. He's taking a picture, sends it to me. We connect my phone to his camera, <laughs> connect it up, download the picture. I quick type up something and upload it to Instagram. It then goes to Twitter and Facebook, and then, you know, keeping track of the conversation going on while at the march or the walk i should say running you know like i said up and down the whole thing trying to keep up with everybody and uh, yeah it was awesome and huge you uh you're a contributor to the lutheran witness this month as well author of an article how to avoid digital landmines addressing this very issue uh we all want to be well many of us like to be on social media engaging conversation um but there are some there's some crazy things that can happen on social media as well. So how do we avoid those digital landmines? We're going to talk about that today. Before we get uh, too far in the, the conversation uh, about avoiding digital landmines, let's let's back up and talk about your history with social media. How sure. long have you been working in social media, Peter? Since social media became a thing, <laughs> uh, I was I was a, a recruiter, missionary recruiter for Lutheran Bible Translators way back when Facebook became a thing. And I remember being on campus, trying to recruit missionaries, trying to connect with students, and it's really difficult to get them to return your emails. It was really difficult to, you know, they're, they don't want to necessarily pick up their phone. It's kind of uh, weird and awkward to get a phone call from a recruiter sometimes at that stage in life. And I started hearing them talking about this Facebook thing. I was like, I just assumed it was like the name for the yearbook on the campus there. I didn't know what it was. And <laughs> I, found, I was like, oh, no, this is a website. It's a new thing. Uh, that was back when it was still closed. You had to have a particular .edu address to right. get in. It was for students only at For that time. students yeah. only. And it was limited to, it wasn't just 
any edu address you actually had to have a very specific only a certain amount of campuses were allowed i happened to be getting my master's at concordia st paul at the time and so i was one of the lucky ones to manage to get into it and i got into it just to like oh hey this is a cool new thing and i'm you know i'm not i would not be I would not describe myself as a digital native. I would be a digital immigrant in that I did not grow up mm-hmm. living on a computer. You know, any kid nowadays, uh, you know, 15 years or younger has probably lived on computers the whole time. My son thinks anything that has a screen is a touch screen. Yeah, yeah. And he's two and a half. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for my kids to like start asking about cassette tapes or, you know, the, the phone that has like the buttons on it and it's not like a smartphone kind of thing because our youngest, they've only ever seen smartphones. That's all they've all they've seen. So a, as an immigrant, I'm seeing this new thing and I, I love technology. I love media. And so to me, it was just an exciting thing to jump into and to, to begin learning and as I'm immersing myself in it, I'm realizing the power that this new tool has for reaching students um, in a place where they already are, where they're all hanging mm-hmm. out. You know, that's always the question. If you're trying to reach a particular population, well, where are they hanging out so you can speak to them? And they were all hanging out on Facebook. And I got in and it's like, oh, they're answering my messages. We're commenting on each other's walls. And then there's this thing called the news feed where I can like put out information about what our organization is doing. And they're actually reading it and they're commenting and caring. And uh, just really quickly saw the power and the potential that Facebook had for reaching that next generation at that time, specifically about missions and what we were doing. And that very quickly turned into me helping other mission organizations that I was networked with use this new tool. I was one of the first recruiters, uh, missionary recruiters to begin using Facebook and going to these networking conferences where all the mission, other recruiters are saying, Hey, what are you guys using? What's working? And I'm like, Hey, have you guys heard about this Facebook thing? And they're like, <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> In one of my training sessions, I was working with a, with a, with a big mission organization. And one of the people said, so how do I install Facebook on my computer? I'm like, oh, this is it. I mean, it's so new. It's so unknown that that's the kinds of questions I was, I was working with people on. And so um, kind of by virtue of being one of the first people using it, one of the first recruiters using it as a professional tool, as a marketing tool, um, began helping other organizations, you know, training them and how to use it effectively, uh, working with Lutheran Bible translators, obviously, as well, setting up all their stuff uh, back when I was with them. And it, it just kind of kind of grew from there. I think largely uh, two factors. I loved it. <laughs> and I was one of the first people using it. And so those two just kind of worked really well for uh, beginning to help organizations. How do you talk about your organization? How do you have conversations? Mm-hmm. How do you do these things that, uh, for me, that kind of came naturally, but organizations are really struggling with, well, how do we do this? So, so there was Facebook. It started with students, particularly college students. Um, was this this online space to mm-hmm. to interact, to have conversations? Uh, as you said, the news feed, you can learn about what's going on. You can throw them. sheep at each other back then. <laughs> <laughs> Summer of 2007, that was the sheep year, yeah. <laughs> apps opened up. That was like when apps first became a thing. And 
throwing sheep was like the thing for about two or three months. All your friends were throwing sheep and it's like, what is this? You log on to Facebook. It's like, you've had 50 sheep thrown at you. What? What just happened? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Somewhere along the way, MySpace came into the picture and that was the one that That was earlier. That did not require an EDU email address. Yeah, MySpace was actually before Facebook. And when Facebook came, MySpace just died. Uh, I was. I remember being on MySpace. Same kind of thing, where I could actually interact with students. They would respond to my messages. One of my that one I got sold on social media in general. When one student I was working with actually requested an application to be a missionary through MySpace, you know, she hadn't responded through from emails mm-hmm. um, and other ways. But on MySpace, we were able to have a conversation, following up on our face to face ones. Of course, this doesn't replace face to face interaction even though people sometimes fear it. Well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but she actually requested an application to be a career missionary on MySpace. And I was like, at that moment, I said, this is the thing. We need to be in this. We need to be using it. This is a powerful tool. We need to jump on this bandwagon. What is it about social media? What's unique about social media that appeals to th- this younger, gen- well, younger than us generation? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what What is it about social media that, that's unique, that, that is so appealing, that this young lady sent you a message on MySpace asking for an application to serve as a missionary with Lutheran Bible translators? I mean, why yeah. is that so appealing I think the, the communication is the thing. You know, they're, they're social networks and they're named that for a reason because they are social and they do network you together. I mean, it's a self-evident kind of name, but the power that it provides in communicating with people in sharing mutual interests and sharing things that you think might excite your friends or be interesting to them and the dialogue back and forth. I mean, social media came about right around the time when people started emailing videos to each other that were interesting. And that's how you kind of found out about, well, what's this cool thing going on in the news? Uh, you would get emailed, you know, the email forwards mm-hmm. and everything. Those still happen, but if you notice, most of them, they don't come with the videos anymore, and they're usually the fraudulent chain emails that if you forward, God's going to love you more or something like that. Um, social media has kind of taken on that role now where you can communicate and share things faster, farther, you know, with more people than you ever could before. And the the young people really, I I guess they were looking for a way to communicate with others like themselves um, on a, on that broader, broader reach, I suppose Mm -hmm. is probably a good word to use. And it's just, it's, it's like their language. It became their language. Um, And it spread not just through that, that younger generation, Mm -hmm. but it's spread now to those of us who are digital immigrants as well. When the grandparents realized if they wanted to see the pictures of their grandkids, they had to get on Facebook because that's where the pictures were. Well, that's now the biggest demographic is, you know, the 50 to 70 to 80 year olds um, on Facebook. That's the biggest, fastest growing demographic right now. Which, of course, means the younger kids are like, oh, Facebook's not cool anymore. So they're all <laughs> moving on to Snapchat and Instagram. But, you know, that's how it works. <laughs> okay, so what are the, the... We have Facebook. MySpace has kind of disappeared. Oh, yeah. It's, it's faded off. It's horrible. <laughs> Don't uh, even waste your time there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are other forms of social media as well that are that are pretty popular. Yeah. Uh, Twitter came along. Twitter came along a couple years after Facebook. Um, and Twitter was all about the short in the moment you get 140 characters to say whatever you're going to say, and, and you got to get it out there. So Twitter is your microblogging. It was the first instance of what's called microblogging. 
Uh, try you know saying something pithy in 140 characters. It's hard. I, I try frequently. <laughs> well, I should say infrequently. I'm not very good at uh, tweeting. Everybody go on uh, twitter.com forward slash Andy Bates and see what's out there. Is that, that's yours, right? Uh, KFUO Andy. KFUO Andy. There we go. Yeah. yeah. We'll get an example of that. The, the, you know, if, the, if you have a question today, you can hey. tweet us, KFUO Andy. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Or the email address, family at KFUO.org. We're, we're happy to take questions. Or you can use that old thing called a telephone. They still have those. We still have those. Yeah, you can they, actually they, call and talk to a person. Yeah. Jenny will take your call. 1-800-730-2727. They're still extremely useful. They will not go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got Facebook, which is kind of like Facebook does everything. Mm-hmm. You, you want to blog. You want to share pictures. You want to share videos. You want to have a group dedicated to a particular interest that you have. You want to have a page for the public broadcasting of your organization and everything that you do. Facebook does all of that. Uh, Twitter is more the short form. You can do pictures, video, and text, but it's all short. Your videos have to be short and small. Your pictures, um, you know, you're sharing one picture at a time. You're not sharing a full album. Instagram is another one that's hugely popular. I believe they've got about 300 million active users on Instagram. That's all about pictures. Uh, telling stories visually. Um, you can get some fantastic stuff on Instagram. You got like National Geographic photographers who are sharing um, their work on there. Maybe it didn't go into the magazine or maybe it did. Mm-hmm. And here's the picture and they'll give you like a behind the scenes look at you know what they worked on, what they were thinking as they took that shot. And it's all about the visual storytelling. And I want to add... I also refer to it as militantly mobile. <laughs> you you have to be on your mobile device, your your Android phone, your your smartphone, your iPad, your tablet, uh, because that's the only way to upload content on Instagram. And they are very intentional about making their community a mobile community, uh, which means it's easier to take a picture with your phone and upload it. Uh, requires a little bit more of a workaround if you want to take a picture with the camera and upload that picture. It's a little little bit few extra steps involved uh once i like i said they're militantly mobile (laughs) um but great great community there too if you're looking for the young people most of them have migrated to instagram and they Mm -hmm. use that and then snapchat would be the other one that's also very very mobile uh you there's not even an ipad app for that i discovered it yesterday because i'm like okay the lcms should probably be using snapchat gotta strategize figure out how to use this and i tried to put on the ipad i'm like there's no iPad app for this. Oh man, this is even more mobile <laughs> than the than uh, Instagram is. And so it's all about you have you post something and it's up for 24 hours and it's gone. So unless somebody takes a screenshot of what you posted, when it goes on Snapchat, it's up, people see it and 24 hours later it's gone. And so it's also about storytelling, visual storytelling. You can do videos, mm-hmm. you can do images. You have like a little bar there where you can add a description of what it is you're talking about and can be really useful as an organization to tell stories. So throughout the day, you'll post something telling the story in images, in video, and just being aware that in 24 hours, it's gone. So whatever you're trying to tell people, make sure it's good, catches their attention right then because it's gone. That it leads to some action if you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it's gone. Yep. Wow. I, I didn't realize it was a full 24 hours. I thought it was even less time than that. I didn't realize. I, they might have increased it at some point. I don't know if there was a shorter time period, but at least right now it's 24 hours. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> How, well, what are some of the challenges then, some of the, the potential problems that, that social media present mm. when it comes to interaction or um, 
being a, a faithful witness, whether it's as an individual or as an organization, what are some of the challenges um, that, that we see with, with social media? I know with Snapchat, um, some of the things that I've, I, I don't have a Snapchat account, but <laughs> some of the things that I've, I've heard about Snapchat is uh, there's this false sense of anonymity. Mm-hmm. And so people do things, uh, post things <clears throat> on Snapchat thinking that they're anonymous, it's going to be gone. No one can uh, share it again later on. So once it's gone, it's gone. But that's not really the case. And so that's, people that's do bold n- and dangerous yeah. things. <laughs> that's never the case with the internet. If, if nothing ever disappears from the internet, that's kind of one of the... Uh, fundamental rules as I'm teaching people how to use social media as uh, I've, I've had a gig as a computer consultant as well, just kind of in general, helping people with computers. And one of the things I say is nothing ever disappears from the internet. Uh, once you take that digital picture, if you don't want it ever getting out, don't take it. J- just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the best way to protect yourself. But in terms of uh, pitfalls and, and problems, I think there's there's a couple. Um, one is when we're dealing with theological uh, topics in the first place. You know, these are literally life and death topics. When we're we're talking about salvation, justification, the, the Lord's Supper, or baptism, or things like that, um, there there are eternal things at stake in these conversations. And I think one of the pitfalls we can fall into is feeling like we need to win the conversation. We need to win the debate in order to, I don't know, save the person, uh, make sure that we've corrected them. Uh, either way, the goal ends up being winning. And when your goal is to win, as opposed to confessing, and I, I make the distinction between confessing the faith, giving a clear, honest, solid confession of the faith versus I need to win. I'm going to win this debate. I want to have the last mm-hmm. word you have two very different conversations that, that will happen. Uh, I, I would say that the winning one isn't even a conversation at that point. You're you're in an argument or a debate in order to beat the other person down into submission and prove something. <laughs> I don't know what you're what you'd be trying to prove, but the motivation is is because these are important things. This matters. Um, I'm concerned about what people believe about baptism because it's such a wonderful comfort as a Christian to know that. God has saved me in my baptism and that he keeps me in my baptismal vows and that he's doing all these things to keep me in the faith and baptism is where that started. That's a wonderful comfort for a Christian and somebody who rejects that, who denies that theological reality, that that actual something is actually being done in baptism, well, they're missing something. And so I want to share with them, well, you're missing wonderful, amazing comfort in in the gospel you're 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 turning your back on the gospel why would you want to do that um and in my excitement and in my passion for that i might go a little bit too far and you know start beating them a little bit with with the bible verses or with pointed questions or things where i'm just like ah oh, i got to i got to prove that you're wrong um there are there are ways to have a confession to give a good confession where you're not trying to win um, well, let me put it this way. You're better off treating it as a marathon than a sprint. <laughs> um, in social media, when you're having an online discussion, you got to remember all of us have our own lives that we're living apart from what we're typing in front of the keyboard in that moment. And it's a very good thing to step away at times and just back off from the conversation, cool down, 
let the other person cool down if that's needed. Because once again, theological discussions can raise emotions. <laughs> I think one teacher called it keyboard courage. Ah, uh, yeah. When you kind of lose the filter because you're behind a keyboard, you're hiding behind sort of anonymity, especially if your account is a pseudonym and you're not actually sharing who you really are. Mm-hmm. There, There's something about, I think, our sinful nature that kind of takes a little bit of delight in that where it's like, they don't know who I am. I can say whatever I want, treat these people however I want. It'll never come back to bite me because I'm anonymous. Um, so yeah, I think that that definitely happens as well. So we got, we got to be aware of our, the old man in us who, uh, <laughs> Is always trying to take advantage of, <laughs> of that kind of stuff. Who rears his ugly face even in social media. Oh, yes. Yes. Even in social media. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that would be the old man trying to win. You know, if we're talking about who's trying to win the argument or win the debate, oh, that's that's the old man rearing his head there as opposed to, I want to make sure I give a good confession because if I'm giving a good confession, well, there's some catechetical value to that. People who are listening, who are watching, who aren't involved. And remember, when you're on social media especially if it's a public conversation, everybody is watching. Uh, You might not realize it. Most people will never comment. They'll Mm -hmm. never click like or the new wow or love that you can now do (laughs) on Facebook too. Um, Most people aren't going to do that. You've got way more people just looking and observing than you do actually interacting and engaging. And so you keep in mind, okay, it's not just this individual that I'm interacting with or this group that I'm interacting with. It's everybody else who is watching because this is public and potentially thousands or millions of people could be watching what's going on right now. And so it's not just the debate here, but what kind of a confession am I giving? Because it could be that the value in this conversation isn't for the person I'm having it with. It's for the person that's watching who's been wondering, what do Lutherans believe about baptism? What does God's word actually say about this? I'm really confused coming from my own background and they're watching this debate unfold and this discussion. And if you're giving a good confession backed up with scripture and and all that wonderful stuff, you might find that this person actually becomes convinced by God's word as you're confessing it to this other person. And now all of a sudden there's a new Lutheran and it's awesome. Well, and, why is it important that you do this without beating the other person up? (laughs) Because on social media, it looks even worse to do that on social media than it does in real life. I mean, you you think about in person, what I say this in this way to this person in real life, that's one level. And if you wouldn't, okay, maybe not on social media, but you also got to remember on social media, I think our culture in general has kind of lost some ability to communicate well in writing. Uh, it's, it's not a skill that everybody has. And so as you write, you might think you're being pithy or you're being direct or you're just kind of answering their question, but everybody else who's watching is saying, that guy's a real jerk. <laughs> He's really mean. Yeah. And, it, and you might not be trying to be mean. Maybe you are. Some people I know really are trying to be mean, but um, you, it just loses, because of the medium that you're using, it loses some of what you're trying to communicate. Communicating tone in writing is really difficult. Sure. In, That's why writers are good at what they do. <laughs> in, in oral communication, we've, we have inflection and, yeah. and all those things that, that, that shape that. You know, face-to-face communication, we have body language, those non-verbals. Yep. 
that that also communicate a, a message and and shape the the message as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see my face right now, right. and when I'm smiling, and when I'm not, and even listening on the radio, people might not know that I'm smiling most of the time. I'm talking because this you is can great hear a stuff. smile. You, you can, can you can yeah. hear a smile. But it's harder to hear a smile in writing. Um, that's that's a whole that's a whole level of skill that I don't even think I have. <laughs> Do you think that's where emoticons came from? Was I an attempt so. to try to yeah. introduce that that nonverbal into writing. However, the sometimes you can't tell if they're being sarcastic <laughs> yeah. or not. Yeah, the emoticon in attempting to clarify things sometimes actually just makes it more confusing. Right. Um, no, that's why I use them. Um, if there are times where it's like, okay, I want people to know that I am smiling as I say this, I'm going to put the little happy face or I have a big wide mouth open smile because I'm really joyful or whatever, as I'm saying this, you know, I will use emoticons in that way. I know some people that just absolutely hate emoticons and refuse to use them. It's like, okay, that's fine. I totally understand that. That's, I don't take issue with that. Just understand that the current generations use them to express some of the tone of what they're trying to say. And that's why there are so many emoticons and emojis. <laughs> emojis are an entirely different thing that it can communicate even more. Um, I've seen texts like on Twitter, you can look for like tweets that are entirely in emojis and you look at them and say, okay, I'm going to try and figure out what this means because an emoji is just like a little picture that communicates <laughs> something there. So, um, you're trying to just figure out what is this emoji thing? It's like a whole new layer. I think again, trying to communicate this tone and how, how this works and what I'm actually saying and give you a picture of my face as I'm talking and all that good stuff. So yeah, I, I understand if you hate the, if you hate emoticons, that's fine, but understand people use them because they're trying to show you I'm laughing. I'm, this makes me sad. This makes me happy. And I want you to know that because maybe I recognize I'm not that great at actually writing something that communicates that. So there's an art to writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not convinced I have that art, but you know. <laughs> but social media can be used. It can be an instrument for a faithful yeah, witness. Definitely. The, the opportunities to share um, good biblical resources, whether it's anything from a Bible verse, a sermon, a prayer. I will say uh, two weeks ago during Holy Week when the bombing in Brussels happened, um, that, you know, I believe it was Tuesday, and we asked Pastor Whedon to write a prayer specifically for that. And I took that prayer and I just put it block letters on a white background. So created just an image, posted it to Facebook, to Twitter. I don't think I put it on our Instagram one, but I put it on the other two. We had over 7,000 shares, five, 6,000, thousands of likes, uh, half a million people saw that prayer. And the reason I believe that it went as far as it didn't, it just mini viral. I won't say it went viral because we didn't get like millions of views, which is kind of <laughs> usually where you draw the line for viral, but viral for us uh, is because we gave people words that they were lacking. You know, when a tragedy like that strikes, what do you say? Mm-hmm. I don't. It's it's one of those where it's like, Lord, I don't know how to pray. What what should I be praying in this situation? And so, our our as our worship director, our chaplain is able to write out those words and share it with the church. People say, yes, that's my prayer. Those are the words that I want mm-hmm. to be praying, and they share that. And that is a powerful tool, a powerful positive confession of of what we believe and spreading 
to literally millions of people that might not have seen it otherwise. And that example alone proves why social media is a good tool and one that should be used. Every tool can be abused. It's it's first article gift. <laughs> Every right. first article gift can be twisted. Satan does that. And we see that as well. But um, it's just, yeah, that's, that's just one example of how it can be used to give a good, good confession with something as simple as a prayer. I'm talking with Peter Slayton. He's the manager of social media here at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We're going to take a quick break, but if you have a question today uh, for Mr. Slayton on social media, especially avoiding those digital landmines, we're going to talk more specifically about those when we come back. If you have a question today, 1-800-730-2727 is the email address. Twitter, I'm KFUOAndy, or email address family at KFUO.org. We'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Mequon, Wisconsin, overlooks the beautiful shoreline of Lake Michigan. This serene main campus of CUW is just 15 miles north of Milwaukee with all its vibrant cultural attractions. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, students living by the motto of inspiration in action can choose from 69 undergraduate majors, 14 master degree programs, and doctorates in pharmacy, physical therapy, and nursing practice. For more information or to take a virtual tour, visit cuw.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The most dangerous place for a black baby to be in New York City isn't in a crack house or a violence-torn part of the city. The most dangerous place for a black baby in New York City is in the womb. The Big Apple aborts more black babies than those born alive. About half of all Latino babies conceived in New York are aborted. This matches our research of Planned Parenthood targeting minority neighborhoods for abortion. Nearly 80% of their surgical abortion mills are within walking distance of blacks and Latinos. This is consistent with the philosophy of Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, who called minorities human weeds. If you'd like to see the dramatic visual research, visit lifeissues.org and click on the microphone icon. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. The Student Union is underwritten by Lutheran High School Association. Join Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service and thousands of congregations across the country as they observe Refugee Sunday, a time to celebrate the gifts migrants and refugees bring to the United States. Pick a Sunday that works best for your congregation to celebrate. New resource kits, including bulletin insert and poster, will be available soon. Sign up for our newsletter at lirs.org slash rebuildinghope. 
Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. If you have a question about the LCMS, contact the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Church Information Center and you'll be connected with a real person who can help you find the answer. Call 1-888-THE-LCMS or 1-888-843-5267 or email them infocenter at lcms.org. Helping you with your questions and finding you resources. The LCMS Church Information Center. Do you enjoy using good old snail mail? Writing a letter, a postcard, or using a typewriter to do the same? Why not send Worldwide KFUO your letter today? Our street address is Worldwide KFUO 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri 63122. And just a click away, 24 hours a day, you can find our contacts page at kfuo.org. You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. With me in studio today, Peter Slayton, manager of social media for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and author of the article, How to Avoid Digital Landmines in the April 2016 issue of the Lutheran Witness. Uh, great uh, article, helpful tips on how to, uh, well, just how to avoid getting into a big hot mess. Don't blow up those conversations, please. <laughs> Avoiding getting into a big hot mess on social media. And uh, if you have a question for Peter today, give us a call or an email, 314-821-0850 in St. Louis. Toll-free in North America is 1-800-730-2727. The email address, family at kfuo.org. Or you can tweet, KFUO Andy. All right, let's go to the listener lines. Let's go to Bill in Let's go to Bill in Peevely, Missouri. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Andy. How are you, sir? Oh, good. Good to hear your voice again, Bill. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, I, I tuned in at the same time you, you mentioned taking a message um, so, social uh, over the social media about the Brussels, about the Brussels event. And and oftentimes, I think that's the time that we put things on social media is like in the heat of the moment, and sometimes we do say the wrong thing, and then and it goes out there. But so many of us would refuse or don't say anything about a particular subject because while we want to help somebody with a, with a comment or a, a suggestion, we don't we don't have the the proper wording for that for that comment we want to share. And I'm I'm talking specifically. You talk specifically about Brussels, and I'm talking specifically to the brothers and sisters in, in this world that suffer from a, a PTSD. You know, they they post a lot of stuff, and 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 uh, I don't know how to respond. Hmm. And and so I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, uh, you you found the Pastor Whedon to help you out, but uh, 
I don't, I don't know where to go with this. I hope I'm not off the topic too bad. It's a great question. Thanks, Bill. Great question. How do you respond when, uh, when the, you know, someone else posts something that's obviously they're struggling with, they're, they're obviously having a, a difficult time. How do you mm. respond to that situation? Maybe it's a subject you know a lot about. Maybe it's a subject you don't know much about at all. Yeah. How do you respond? Thanks for your call, Bill. Yeah, thanks, Bill. That, that is an excellent question. I think, first of all, it is okay to not know how to respond. I mean, we don't all have experience in everything. Um, social media, I think you can run the risk of making it seem like you're an expert in everything or trying to give that appearance like you're an expert in everything because there's so many resources available on the internet that mm-hmm. you, you kind of run that risk. I think the first thing is recognizing there is wisdom in saying, I don't know. Uh, and in that wisdom and saying you don't know, sometimes it's as simple as say, look, I don't understand this, but I'm here for you, whatever you need. I think the other thing to recognize is social media doesn't replace real life interactions. I mean, if this is a, a friend of yours, somebody that you know in real life, it's going to be much more significant to that individual to just come up to them if it, maybe they're at church and just on a Sunday morning say, hey, I'm praying for you. How, how can I pray for you more? How can I help you? Uh, you know, social media doesn't replace face to face. I know that's always the fear, you know, with the young kids, their faces are always in their phones <laughs> and they're always looking at the iPad and they're always looking at a screen. Uh, I, I remember I've heard, read articles about how, you know, when the phone first came into people's houses, face to face conversations were going to end. Nobody was ever going to go out and talk face to face anymore because now everybody had a phone in their house. So there was no need to. Well, obviously that didn't happen. You know, as human beings, we are very, we are social in nature. We are always going to communicate face to face. And I think right now what we're seeing is kind of that learning curve of we're hitting that saturation point of social media is everywhere. Screens are everywhere. We're learning how to interact with this. And, you know, mm-hmm. in a few years, I think we'll start coming around that curve where it's like, okay, we've integrated this and seeing where it's useful, where it's not. Of course, at that point, the next big thing will come and we'll have to figure out how to integrate that. But my point in saying this is, you know, talking to people face to face isn't isn't ever going to go away. And in some cases like that, that's really the best place to do that. So if you don't have the words, if you don't know the situation they're going through, people always appreciate, hey, I'm praying for you. Just let me know what I can do and I, I'll do what I can. Um, and even on social media, sometimes that's enough. Maybe there's somebody far away. You've never met them in real life, but you have a Facebook relationship with them where they're your Facebook friend. And that's the only time you've ever seen them. That That is a real thing. There are people like this that. This is a whole new world. I know. <laughs> I have friends I've never met before in real life ever. And yet we can have meaningful, significant conversations through private messages on Facebook, through comments on somebody's wall as we're mm-hmm. you know commenting on an article or something. And when I do meet them in real life, it's like, hey, we already know each other. We just kind of pick up and, sure. and run. It's great. <laughs> right. It, 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 you're right. This has created a whole new world of, of relationships mm-hmm. because you can meet and learn a lot about a person, have conversations with someone on social media without ever actually meeting face to face. Now, on one hand, this could be a great thing, especially for someone who feels very isolated, maybe because they're homebound yeah. um, or they, you know, they're not able to get out as much as they'd like to. And so this provides a, a way for them to interact with others. Yeah, we, we've got a couple things about about that on our on the LCMS Facebook page. If you look Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, I'm very intentional about posting on Saturday night, uh, six o'clock 
I'll post the hymn of the day for the next for that coming Sunday. You know, for the next day. Usually it comes with a nice picture. Sometimes I'll find a YouTube link uh, to an organ uh, performance of it in some kind, so you can sing along at home if you want to. 8 p.m. Uh, this is Central Time. 8 p.m. I'll post the prayers of the church. So the prayers that are going to be prayed that next day in church. Here you have them. You can begin praying yourself at home. You'll also pray them when you get to your church service the next day. 6 a.m. Sunday morning, I post most of the liturgy. You've got the intro, you've got the readings, you've got the gradual, you've got the verse in the Alleluia, you've got everything, the psalm of the day, it's all right there. So you can follow along, either prepare yourself for what you're going to be hearing when you go to church, or on all three of these, the most common remarks we get are, I was sick this week, I couldn't go to church, Hmm. but I still was able to hear God's word because of what you've posted here. I could still hear the hymn, I could still sing along with it, I could still... I, I didn't feel like I completely missed out. And and I would never say that this is a replacement for church. I mean, this is, we're not talking about online church or anything like that. This is simply a resource for people who are homebound, who have gotten sick, who are in the hospital for any reason, can't make it to church and know that they would love to be there. They would prefer to be there. Uh, yes, this is a poor second place, you know, very far behind, but it's still a wonderful resource for them. The other thing is when you're doing these things, when you're posting these articles, we find one of our, I think our second largest audience right now, it kind of moves is is in Brazil. And so we're posting theological resources and people in Brazil are now reading what scripture says about well, baptism, since we've talked about that a lot. And they're getting these wonderful resources that they wouldn't otherwise have access to, but now they can. Um, so kind of both of those really, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. wonderful seeing that happening. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, uh, some specific examples, some sure. digital landmines to, <laughs> to avoid uh, as we were talking about that. Well, before we get to that, maybe we should explain some terms yeah, good that, idea. That, social, that come up in social media, new things that, that didn't even exist before social media <laughs> or the terms that had a different meaning before social media. Hmm. Um, what do these things mean? You know, there's a difference between a post and a comment yep. um, it, when it comes to Facebook. Yep. You know, if you post something, you're putting something out there. Uh, it's not only on your wall, but it's also going in the news feed for everyone else to read, whether it's for everyone else in your friends list or everyone else on social media, on in Facebook, the in the world, uh, <laughs> to read, um, depending on what you, you've set it up for. Uh, and it's going out there and people can comment on it. They can like it. Now they can wow. They can love it. They can, uh, they can sad face it, whatever can, right. it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it depends on the social network that you're on too, as to what, what the terminology is. And generally speaking, liking is just a, I click a button that shows that I'm, well, I suppose it shows that I'm supporting of whatever sentiment it is you're trying to communicate to me. So on Facebook, you can post something. That means you have put the content out there, whether it's a comment that you've made, whether you're sharing an article from a website, a blog, you're posting a video, you're posting a picture, you know, it's, um, you'll often see the, uh, the acronym OP, original post. That's, you know, your original post that you put up there. Um, sometimes it's helpful as you get into these long debate threads, especially if they're theological in nature, you'll see people referring to the OP, the original <laughs> post. They're trying to bring this conversation back around to the original topic because 
rabbit trails and tangents are uh, <laughs> there are a plethora of them available um so original post comment is somebody has posted something and you're commenting on it uh you can also reply to comments and you can reply to the post and you know get in the whole you don't get too far in the weeds they've facebook has avoided the nested comment system from forums that can get even more confusing and spider webby uh, you also hear <laughs> groups and pages if we're talking about facebook so a page is a public public presence of either an individual or an organization um it, it could be a kind of group related to but generally it, you need to understand it's everything's public the whole point of a page is to have everything be public you as an individual have a profile mm -hmm. as an individual and your profile can be public can be private you can have it set to only those who are your friends uh, on facebook um, they might be your friend in real life but if they're not your facebook friend are they really your friend in real life? <laughs> we can get philosophical here too. <laughs> um, you know, so you can keep things private. Uh, there are groups, so kind of built around an interest. Mm -hmm. If you go on Facebook and just search for like Lutheran groups, you'll find a whole bunch of Lutheran groups. So there's cooking with Lutherans. That's a fun one where it's just like, <laughs> we're all Lutherans and we're talking about cooking. <laughs> um, lots of bread recipes get get thrown around on that one. I started one called Spirited Lutherans. It's all about bourbons and whiskeys and fun <laughs> stuff like that where we just discuss what do we enjoy and what's out there. Um, so special interest kinds of things. Um, now, if we move on to like Twitter, well, you can post on Twitter, but the proper terminology is to tweet. Um, and if you know, you'll get that, you know, Twitter, the, their um, logo, icon, mascot, whatever, is a little <laughs> blue bird. Right. And so the whole thing is that the bird is tweeting these little short messages. You know, it's 140 characters. You've got very little space in which to, to tweet and communicate. And so you can tweet something. If I like something you've tweeted, I can click like on it which on Twitter is a heart icon. So it makes it look like you're saying you love it, but it's really only a like. Um, so you're not really, in, you think you might be implying more than you are. And then I can retweet what mm -hmm. you said. So I take your tweet and I retweet it out to my followers. Um, so on Facebook, you have likes. If you're a page on F Twitter, you have followers. On Facebook, you have friends. If you're an individual, Twitter, everybody follows you. Um, I guess it's going along with the flock of birds and there's a leader kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, Instagram, uh, it came along late enough that basically, you know, it's the terminology there is determined by Facebook and Twitter. You don't really tweet on Instagram, but you can post your stuff from Instagram out to the others. Snapchat. Now, that one, had you can actually Snapchat something. So that has become more regular terminology in, with that particular one. Um, you you might Instagram something. I mean, I, I've heard that as well, but I hear Snapchat something more. And uh, listeners, feel free to correct me on this, especially if you're younger and use these platforms more than I do because I'm starting to reach that old age. So I need to learn from the younger people on how to use some of these things. <laughs> feel free to correct my terminology, especially because it's always changing. Um yeah, keep that in mind about social media too. I might be saying this today, and tomorrow all of a sudden something new comes out. We're totally true. different. So, There's <laughs> so like a whole I said, new form yeah. of social media that comes out to me, and there are new ones that all I haven't tried. I've heard of Periscope. I have not tried it. Periscope is now going to die. <clears throat> so that's Twitter's live. Well, it's not really Twitter, but you log in with your Twitter account. It's live video where you basically turn on your phone and live broadcast, and you do 
whatever you're doing right then. So I've seen it used for like baseball games. People are periscoping their baseball game that their kid is at because dad can't be there. So he wants to watch. Um, and you can kind of do anything, but it's basically individuals basically doing live video of whatever they're doing in that moment. Facebook, um, back in December, started rolling out Facebook Live. And just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we got it for the LCMS page. I mean, this is a brand new feature. And so I said, okay, we have it today. What are we going to do? Hey, I'm going to go up to President Harrison's office and see if he just wants to do a quick message because we literally got this right now. Let's use this. And he did. He gave a brief message to update about some of the mission work we've got going on. Fantastic growth in Latin America of new missionaries going out. And so he was excited about that and wanted to share about that. And then as we're talking and thinking, okay, how can we use this platform? Um, we've got Easter coming up, Holy Week. And I wanted to make sure that during Holy Week, our Facebook and our Twitter was not exclusively, but primarily dedicated to the most important year in the church year or week in the church year. This is, it's all about Christ's death and resurrection. This is when sin was paid for and all that. And I wanted to make sure our page reflected that. And so I thought, okay, well, we got Facebook live. What can we do with that? I wonder if president Harrison would be willing to do live devotions each morning. And just kind of, we tossed that idea around down in our, my department and communications and presented it to him and he loved it. He was like, that's great. Let's do that. And it was just one of those organic, we've got this feature, it's available now. What can we do with it? Well, it's Holy Week. We want to use it in a way that it edifies the church, that it builds it up. It's devotions, daily devotions during Holy Week. That's a fantastic idea. Let's do that. And and it was wonderful. We loved it. It was great to do that, to watch over a thousand people watching live during each devotional time. Um Wow. We, we ended up doubling it on Friday, Good Friday. There were about 2,000 people watching it live, and it just kind of exploded from there. It's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what the church should be doing with social media, putting out God's word, that clear confession, that positive confession. Um, and the comments that we got back were overwhelmingly positive. We love this. We want you to do it every day. It's like, oh, okay, that's a bit Holy Week. Sure, we can see that, but I don't know if we can do this every day. That's, yeah, it's not a lot of time, but, you know, we... Yeah. Anyways, but so you got onto that tangent from Periscope. Yeah, Periscope. It's kind of going to go bye bye because you got 1.6 billion people on Facebook every month actively using it, and now you can do live video on a platform that's established where you've got that kind of reach. It's going to be really tough for Periscope to kind of <laughs> catch up to that. Facebook is kind of the powerhouse of social media. Yeah, it is for now. It'll be interesting to yeah. see when it declines and what replaces it and what that looks like. Cause it will happen. Nothing, nothing lasts forever. And so part of my job as a social media manager is to keep my eyes out for what's the next thing hmm. and making sure that we're positioned and we're there to communicate on that next platform. Cause eventually, you know, it's, it's going to go away or what might actually happen is we get labeled as a hate group and Facebook boots us uh, because of our stance on marriage, supporting biblical marriage, our stance on, uh, our pro-life stance from conception to natural death and how we are advocates and vocal about those kinds of things. Once again, speaking out on issues in a way that the church should be speaking out. We should be talking about these things publicly and telling people, here's what the Bible says. Here's what God's word says. Here's what our confessions say about these issues. And just that positive confession with the way things are going, um, there is a real chance that we could actually end up having our Facebook account shut down entirely. Just 
not to have a downer here or anything, <laughs> but hey, it's it's out there. It happened to one of our partners in Germany, um, wow. where they were they're helping refugees. The Muslim refugees from Iran and Iraq and Syria are coming, and they are converting in droves um, with our Lutheran partners there. There are you know dozens of baptisms happening each month. Um, from these well-catechized Muslims who have converted and over the course of months are being catechized and then being baptized and then more catechesis before they're confirmed. And the pastor there, Gottfried Martins, many of our listeners might be aware of him, he had his Facebook page for their church actually shut down by Facebook because they were talking publicly on their Facebook page about the condition of the refugee camps and the persecutions of the Christians within those camps. And the German government had been talking with Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, the owner, manager, all that kind of stuff. And Mark Zuckerberg decided, they basically said, anybody who's talking negatively about what's going on in the refugee camps, who's putting a negative spin on what the German government is doing to handle these things, could you help us and shut them down? And our partner church there, Godfrey Martins, his his. Facebook account was one of the ones that got shut down. Hmm. He had to start a new one. So we're looking at that and saying that could happen to us. The way the culture is going with, with things, we need to be prepared for that. Helpful tips that, uh, well, we can find in this month's issue of the Lutheran witness, how to avoid digital landmines. Uh, check it out. Great article. You, you've put some, some really thoughtful, uh, examples in this. <laughs> I wanted to uh, organize it as if it was a Facebook conversation or a Twitter conversation. Right. So that's kind of how it's laid out. Like, I see this comment. I'm posting this. What should I say? How should I respond? So the way it's laid out, it's here's your comment. Here's your friend's comment. And here are kind of ways you should respond and ways you shouldn't. You know, if you respond in this way, you're most likely going to step on a landmine. If you respond in this way, you have a better chance of having a productive theological conversation. And there's one example, I'm not going to give it away, but there's one example where I say, don't respond. This sure. is this is a time where, you know what? You're better just leaving this alone and talk to them in person if you really want to discuss right. this. Some of yeah. them are, sometimes a post may be merely a trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a landmine uh, set to, uh, to really uh, create a fire. Yeah, you know you disagree with it so strongly that any comment you make is only going to be a negative one. It's only going to blow up. Peter Slayton, manager of social media for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thanks for being my guest today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, you're listening to Worldwide KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.